Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with my man, Ty Backer. What's up, Ty? Not too much, brother. How the hell are you doing on this Friday morning? Dude, I'm doing great. Weather's nice and cool outside. It's, you know, not optimal weather for for heat and air people, but for roofers, still good weather. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great, perfect roofing season right now. Yeah. So I guess you guys, do you, you know, you're, you're in PA, but you've got several locations, you have, are there, are there, see, I mean, I guess there are seasons to a degree, but does it affect, does it affect the roofing industry as much as it would like, you know, if it's, you know, 70 degrees outside, your air conditioner is probably not going to break. Right. So yeah. What kind of seasonality issues do you guys deal with? You know, that's a great question because a lot of us up North, our, our main headquarters is up in, you know, South central Pennsylvania, and there's probably a couple weeks out of the year, you know, the whether it's December, February, January, where it, it's all but impossible to roof. But we we typically roof all season, all season long. Um, it really depends on the, the situation, how cold it is. Is it warming up? Is the sun out? Um, but I do know a lot of northern state uh, roofing contractors, you know, they kind of close down shop, but we also do a lot of new construction. And when your home's being built, we can't wait till spring to put your roof on. So we really don't have a season, at least for us. And I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with that, but, but we've done it for, for decades. So there, there's things that you can do to make sure that the roof is, is being installed with integrity, um, that it's going to hold up that your, your, whether it be your compressors are turned down, how many guns are on that compressor, we even have it, uh, you know, systems and processes put in place where your lines won't freeze. Um, and, and, and that's, that's really, you just got to go over and beyond and it takes a little bit longer, but, but we get it done. Well, I guess too, like you clearly your business plans for these air quote seasons to where you don't really feel the season. No, not really. I mean, we, we have things, you know, if anything, we get bad weather, we're out shoveling roofs off. So the guys are still working. We get a lot of ice damming up here. So we got to go out and correct that stuff. So we do a lot of repairs when it comes to the retail aspect of things or damage, storm damage, uh, gutters. We do gutters, you know, we do windows, we do siding. So all of these things as well, you can do all winter long, especially windows and siding and stuff like that. There may be certain days we may not want to open your home up to the elements, but, but we just, we, we, you know, schedule around those things and, and we get in and we get out. We don't, we don't usually mess around. We've got a team of skilled trained professionals that will come into your house and, and treat your home as if it's our own home. Yeah. Now, do you also, do you also work with commercial as well? 
Um, we do dabble with commercial, usually more so along the lines of like multifamily. We'll get into like light commercial, you know, schools and hospitals, but nothing huge where, you know, you know, 10, 100,000 square, you know, flat roofs and stuff like that, but typically multifamily commercial buildings. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Usually, yeah. I mean, lots of times when I find people that do straddle the line, it's almost like they can't make up their mind which way they want to go. And they sometimes, lots of times fall behind because of being in two two places, trying to be in two places 100% of the time is impossible. For sure. For sure. And I can, I can relate to that because we, we started to lean into the commercial aspect of, of things and we probably could lean into, it, but we know residential, you know, uh, construction is our forte and that's just where we're good at it. And that's where we seem to excel well. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you, you know, um, I'm sure, you know, Austin, uh, Austin, TikTok, a roofer, Austin. Oh, oh yeah. Great, great guy. Great kid. Great guy. Yep. So what do you think about, you know, I had, I've had a bunch of conversations with him about his snow grip product. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that? I am. I am never used it yet, but, but yeah, I'm familiar with it. So why would somebody, especially up North where you are, where there is a lot of ice and snow, why would somebody not use that? Or why would a company not be interested? I'm just curious. Cause it seems like it makes sense to me, but I'm also not up North and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think maybe because it's a newer product until it's out in the market a little bit longer and it's been tried and true. I, I think I think it's a great product. We haven't used it yet, but but I I trust Austin. I believe in the products that that you know he he's selling or promoting. You know, and that's that's really anything just because of the type of person he is and that he's using it himself. But I th- I think you know just like any new product that comes out, it takes a minute before it gains traction. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it being, I could see, especially for commercial, like if you think somewhere like New York City has got massive buildings, I would imagine that ice falls off those buildings. I would imagine so too, at some point. I would think, yeah. So I just thought, I thought I'd ask you that because I, you know, I had a recent conversation with him about it and it it makes sense to me. So um, tell me a little bit. So Behind the Tool Belt is your podcast. It is. It How is. long have you been doing that? Uh, we're coming up on four years. We're actually coming up on episode 200 in about two weeks, but we've done so many more than that. But but consistently, every single Wednesday for almost four years now, we've done it, have not missed an episode. Dude, that's Thank awesome. you for asking. And by the way, before I forget, thank you for inviting me on your show, man. It's an honor and a pleasure. So thank you so much. hundred percent, dude. I Look, I think, you know, I've, I've watched you for a little while now and I, I really enjoy the stuff that you put out. And, you know, I, 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 I certainly am going to ask you about, you know, uh, your trip that you just took. But I got I watched you guys while you were over there. I watched the live. Is that the same live, I guess, as we were talking about? That was the podcast that... The the live wasn't it with Hunter yes. and I don't remember who else it was there. Yeah, Hunter, Dylan, and and JP came in. Yes, that was the trip. Oh my goodness, what a life changing experience for me. Um, and and let alone just just the uncomfortability of being over there, right? Being in a a different continent. Um, you know the the forty hour of flight time, being around all those people, and then watching and and learning from them. I mean, unfortunately or fortunately, I think we've taken more from that experience than what we brought to the table because we went over there with a purpose. We went over there, you know, for a mission, 
and, and on a crusade. And, and I feel like we, we've made a great impact. We we're still in touch with a lot of them and we got to speak at a, um, a, a business, like a, a, a business, um, conference over there with those people and we got to share our experience strength and hope and motivate them and give them some ideas outside the box um and let them know that you don't need i think a lot of them think that you need money to start a business and and that's not the case it's more of a mindset and how hungry you are and and what resources um are are at your fingertips right and 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 touching on resources it's amazing how resourceful they are on the limited amount of resources that are available to them over there and, and the humility and, and the happiness that they are in the community that they have over there is amazing. But, but for me personally, like I came home with a, a totally different energy and, and I'm about half a germaphobe and, uh, and this, this goes long back before uh, COVID hit or anything like that. I just always been real conscious and aware of like things I touch and, you know, or, or somebody's sweaty palm and stuff kind of grosses me out or whatever the case might be. But for me to step outside and I mean, and and I've gotten comfortable stepping outside my comfort zone, but this was next level uncomfortability for me because we stayed at probably, we stayed at one of the probably nicer places there and it was super nice. But if I had to compare it to something back home, it was like second world class, if that makes sense, you know, cause we were in a third world so it, it was probably like a motel eight or super six or whatever the hell motel, right. uh, you know, here compared to there. I mean, we had rat shit the size of Tic Tacs in our bathroom. Right. And then mud coming out of the faucet and things like that, you know, kind of wigged me out because I'm all about fresh water and things that I take for granted, sure. you know, and don't even think about like clean drinking water. These people don't have indoor plumbing, let alone outdoor plumbing. There's no trash pickup, so trash in the streets. The streets are mud. Now, don't get me wrong. If you go into a city, they have blacktop, they have they have concrete and stuff like that. But but the majority of the country live in homemade brick. Like literally, they're making the bricks for their home out of mud in their from their front yard uh, with with a metal lean to shed roof on top of it with no windows, no doors, just just totally different lifestyle than I ever imagined. Yes, I read books. Yes, I watched TV, but but to actually witness and experience and live amongst them, you know, for almost 10 days, I think we were over there, nine, 10, eight days that we were over there with them. It it was it was very uncomfortable. But what it had done for me was is when I got home, my my first world issues no longer seem like first world fancy problems anymore, bro. I bet. And by the way, I didn't mean to dismiss you thinking me. I sometimes don't take compliments. I don't, I sometimes I don't receive when people are trying to, you know, be nice. I, mm-hmm. so I, I, I didn't, I, hopefully I didn't just completely, I appreciate you saying that. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, no problem. I realized after you were talking, I'm like, damn, I don't even know if I recognize him saying that. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, you friend of Bill's? I am. I'm, I know Bill very well. Is that something we can get into? Uh, sure. I'm not scared. Okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, scared. I did not realize that, actually. I did not oh, really? realize that. No, I had no idea. Um, so, how long has it been since you had a dream? Uh, over 13 years. Over 13 years. Wow. Yes, yeah, what, yeah. Was the, what was the thing that, you know, what was life like when you when you decided that you had to make a change? 
Man, I think like most of us, I think, I think it was definitely unmanageable. Um, you know, I had lost a lot, a lot of things in my life, whether it was respect, whether it was trust, not just the monetary things, but like lost my dignity and, and I lost myself. Um, I became a different person at, at that juncture of my life. And, and I remember that last drink, like it was last week. And, and, uh, the one thing that sticks with me the most is don't forget where you come from, bum. And that, I think that's, that's what has kept me motivated. Um, and I think that's what separates me personally from, from most entrepreneurs because I'm calloused and my threshold for pain is much greater than most people. And I think that becomes an unfair advantage for those of us that are sober because you can't put me through anything worse than what I've already put myself through, right? Like I can't put myself in a situation any worse as long as I stay sober than I did back in those days. And I think that's really helped me become such a great, you know, leader, um, you know, empathy, um, you know, uh, open-mindedness and the willingness, right. To, to, to step outside my comfort zone and push myself because first and foremost, I feel like I got to make up for lost time. Right. So like I, and I'm an instant gratification kind of guy, right? Like I need it right here, right now, this whole delayed gratification thing, man, you can throw that shit out the window. Right. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously I work out, I'm into the delayed gratification. I've learned to balance those two, but I want it right here, right now. And I'm just like anyone else. I got that God shaped void, right. That I'm trying to fill up with the fast cars, the fast money, the, 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 the women and all that stuff. And I lived that life before. Right. And today I'm, I'm full. I, I consider myself the wealthiest man that walks the earth. And I don't say that because of the money, sure. right? The money comes and goes, I've burned it down. I've built it up. I smoked it. I burn it down and I build it back up again. I know what it's like to not have money, to have money, to lose the money and then build it back up. Right. And, and, and looking over my, my track record in my career, the one thing that I got, that I got twisted. I put the cart before the horse, right? I, I always made it about me, right? Everything was about me, right? I never made it about anybody else. And I think anything that I have ever put in the front, in front of my recovery, I had lost, right? If I did, if I, if I put, if I put anything else in front of it and anytime that I've ever put anything in front of it, it was removed from me, right? And, and none of this is mine. And I, I feel like I'm on borrowed time, right? Like I've been given that extended warranty. You know how the, the phone rings all the time and it's those people trying to sell you that extended warranty? Well, I've been given that extended warranty. So I have a decision today. What am I going to do with that extended warranty? Am I going to piss it away or, or, or am I going to look at it as if that there was a reason why someone has chosen to keep me here and give me this extended warranty, right? And don't take that for granted. And, and I believe that that I've been put here for a higher purpose to impact people's lives. You know, anything and anyone and, and, and t- touching on like we were talking about the roofing industry kind of gets a bad rap. Right. Well, well, that's one of one of many things that I want to have a huge impact on. Right. Is is the roofing industry. And it's like I really don't even want to talk about it. I just want to show you the type of impact that we're going to have, you know, not not just on the industry at, at, at a whole, but like our local community, right? Our, our team, um, you know, my family, right? Those, those that, that, that I used to put, you know, um, on the back burner, right? Like I, I never put them in, in front of me. I always put them on the back burner. It was all about me, 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 me. So I feel like I'm here and I have a greater purpose and I'm not going to take that for granted.
This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yeah. How long do you think, um, how long was it 13 years ago did some of these things come about? Because I know, you know, the first year is a little bit rough for most people, typically. Uh, What kind of timeline, because time is one thing that is, there is nothing you can do about the amount of time that it takes to get through this, right? Time takes time. Mm-hmm. And, and and trust me, I've tried to speed up the time a million times, and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how much? How how? When would you say that? You know, when would you say you shifted from the? Well, let's just call it being selfish, right? Because we all, mm-hmm. you and I both know exactly what that's like. Um, when did you realize? How long did it take you to realize that you got to put other people first, really, to kind of get what you want? Really, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No. And that's a great question because like you said, time takes time, things that I must earn, things that I must endure. Right. And, and I believe, I believe for me, I needed every single drink to, to get where I'm at today. Um, so long story short, I had had some time prior to this, to this run right now that, that I'm experiencing right now. I had seven years sober at one, one time at, at a very young age. I, I had found out about alcohol or recovery, um, at a very young age, I was actually 13 stepped into the program and I had, I was able to acquire about seven years. And I would say the last two years of that, I took my will back, right? Like I was doing every single thing that an alcoholic, an active alcoholic would be doing, right? Like I was just staying out late. I was uh, just, you know, I was playing ball, semi-pro softball at the time. And again, going back to what I said, I put all of these things in front of my recovery, right? Everything, my business at the time, everything. So long story short, um, I, 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 re- I finally relapsed, even though I had relapsed spiritually long before I physically picked up that drink, I, I had already relapsed, right? And, and I honestly believe relapse doesn't happen by accident. It takes you already relapse before you actually physically, there's no, no such thing as a slip. I think it happens long before you actually, that's just my personal opinion because of my personal experience with that. So because of that, I look at that as a part of my recovering process, right? Like I needed every single drink. I needed to say every nasty thing. I needed to do every grimy thing in order for me to end up in jail. Right. Uh, self, I'm the, I'm the poster child for self will run riot. Right. I'd taken my will back and I, and I landed in jail again. Right. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how did I end up here? How did I do this again? What went wrong? Right. And, 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 and playing that tape back, I was like, man, I just, man, when was the last time I went to a meeting? When was the last time I actually got on my knees and humbled myself? Right. And when was the last time I actually asked for help? And it became me, 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 me. I did this. I built this. This is mine. I did. And, you know, I was taking the credit for everything, you know, and, and finally I, I was in that jail cell and I dropped to my knees because at that point in time, I had nowhere else to turn. I tried everything, right? I, I came in at a young age. I thought I grew out of this thing called alcoholism. 
And, and I found out the hard way that even though I didn't pick up a drink for seven years, it was as if I drank that entire time. And the progression of the, of the disease, I think when we hear that, we're talking, we, a lot of people think about the progression of the disease while I'm drinking, but I don't think we talk enough about the progression of the disease while I'm not drinking because I hear kids coming out of rehab and they say stuff like, yeah, my disease is out in the parking lot doing pushups. Yeah, that sounds cool, but I don't think you really know how true that statement is. Right. Okay. Because mine was at the gym, right? It was at the gym every single day, just waiting for me in the shadows to pick up that drink. And dude, I'm telling you within weeks, within weeks, it was as if I never stopped drinking. So if I drank those entire seven years, that's where my addiction was at that time when I picked up. And I mean, it fast tracked to the point within nine months, nine months until I came back. Sounds like a short period of time, but I'm talking about, I'm losing homes, I'm losing trucks, I'm losing relationships every single dime, everything, everything that I had put in front of my recovery was taken from me. But the crazy thing was, is when I walked out of that jail that day, I was left everything that I needed. The second day I had a job to go to, it was a flat rubber roof that I got to install because I'm a mechanic by trade, a roofing mechanic, right? I had it. I had, I had to have somebody drive me. I had a driver, a guy that was experienced, an experienced laborer that could drive me around all my appointments. I I, I pled into a, a uh, it was called drug court at the time. I don't know what they call it anymore. Pled into that, needed that accountability in my life. So through that whole process, to to answer your question, I think I needed every single drink. I needed to smash my head against the wall more, obviously. Um, before I could actually humble myself and realize, you know, that this could all be taken away from me with, with a flick of the switch. Um, so at that point in time, when I came back, my humility had gone to a whole nother level. My, my humbleness, my gratitude of just being able to put my feet on the floor every single morning and thank him. Thank you for one more day. Thank you for that extended warranty because he knows, I know, first and foremost, I don't deserve to be here, okay? I don't deserve the, 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 the many chances that I've been given. I don't know why, but he must know that I'm a strong son of a bitch and that my message will impact somebody's life someday, and I will not take that for granted at all. Damn, dude. You said so many things in there that, you know, I'm just going to go back to one in particular that really stood out. Um, thank you for that. That was you're welcome. Hopefully, that yeah, wasn't too long winded. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. But there, one thing that you said is, I think I would love to chat about is, you know, the let's just call it the dry drunk. The guy is not. And look, that you know, I stopped drinking a little over 14 years, and I haven't had a drink in 14 years. But that's not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Um about six and a half years into my recovery, I started smoking weed. Mm. All right. I thought no big deal. Now in the back of my mind, of course, I knew this was not the right thing to do. I didn't really, I didn't, th I didn't play the tape all the way through because weed was never a thing for me. I didn't really care about weed. It just, I lied to myself, right? This is going to be okay. This is not going to get out of hand. It's never gotten out of hand. And I would, and, and I don't even know if out of hand is the right word, but dependency for sure is the right word. 
And so, and, and, and look, there's a lot of different thoughts on this and I don't throw shade on anybody that continues to smoke weed and that it works their program or is in recovery. That's, that's your, if, if like, that's fine with me. I, it, it's not up to me what you, what other people do, but for me, it was a slow bleed. Um, you know, if I would have went out and got drunk, I would have done something stupid and got in trouble and it, it, it would have been quick. Right. But, but, but by me smoking weed, it was a slow bleed to the same place that I would have been at if I'd have just drank the first day. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. I know exactly what you're saying. And spiritually, I was bankrupt. And spiritually, I couldn't connect with God. And this was just March 26th is when I stopped smoking weed. So, like, it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, you know, I knew when I came back into recovery that that was going to have to stop. And I had a, just a conversation like I would with you right here. Uh, and I said, you know, I'm not... I'm willing to stop this. I'm just not willing to stop it right now. And if any, it, my experience is I know when God's trying to get my attention, he makes it very clear. Mm-hmm. I was leaving, um, I was leaving uh, a meeting one night and I hit my weed pin and I almost ran a red light going 70 miles an hour. Two minutes later, almost ran another red light completely out of the blue like it it just didn't make sense and i knew right then all right like you've dicked around long enough that if you don't make a decision now you might not make it home not because i was high as a kite because it was time Mm -hmm. and so i tossed the the pen out and i you know have obviously haven't picked it up since and it's it's not like quitting drinking right for me spiritually in my life it is like quitting drinking, but the uh, obsession, I didn't really have the obsession like you do with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like that's a hard thing to get rid of. And, and and I do like the obsession has been removed from me for a long time. I'm not saying for by any stretch I'm cured by any stretch, but I don't think about alcohol. Like I don't give a shit about like you, somebody could drink right beside me. It wouldn't make any difference. Like there's zero chance picking up a drink is going to improve anything in my life. I do know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And so now weed falls in that same category. So um, it is, it's a bit of a mind fuck. No doubt. Because I really, I, I mean, I look, I stood in front of the women's healing place, which you can guess is a homeless shelter for women, right? Mm-hmm. And said, yeah, I've been sober for 14 years. And my sponsor at the time the next day, he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, don't you remember that date I had you write down back in March? I'm like, yeah. He was like, that's your fucking date, dude. And it until that point, I swear to you that my ego and pride was so massive that that didn't even dawn on me. When even when he said that the first time, I, I mean, the very first time he told me to write it down, I thought, well, that's my weed date. I mean, it's not my real date. And I didn't get it because I wasn't sober. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a journey. 
I'll tell you that. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. You know, losing that amount of time is, is a tough pill to swallow. And I, and I struggled with that myself when I had had seven years sober, um, you know, I, I tried to justify it to you. Like, you know, I didn't drink. I was only doing Coke, blah, blah, blah. And I did that for a minute. Right. Like, cause that was the first thing I, that, that I picked up, you know, and, and for me, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Right. Like I used it ill intent, you know, I, with, with it, ill intent, right. Like to, to, to alter my, my state of mind to make me feel better or what, whatever my excuse was at the time. Right. And, and it's so funny how, you know, God will give us signs that we've always ignored. And it's kind of cool how you notice these things, right? Like, like running these red lights, right? And it's funny that you use that as a metaphor because I was talking to a buddy of mine. It's like, for a knucklehead like me, I need to have my head rammed through the windshield before I, he can get my attention, right? And thank God it didn't get you to the point where you started losing things other than yourself. But it, you don't have to lose, start losing things. It's how it makes you feel, right? That that can consider you a drug addict or an alcoholic, that that loneliness, that desperation, that that not feeling a part of something. And when you start putting substances in your mind and you touched on that you were having a, a struggle with, you know, uh, um, bringing God back into your life or whatever you want to call that, your higher power, right? It's because for me, I'm blocking the sunlight of the spirit. You know, when, when I put something in my body and i know deep down inside that i that i'm doing something wrong that i shouldn't be doing this and and that's the thing alcohol brought you to your knees quicker and any other substance even if i want to consider you know i didn't have a problem with oxycodone i didn't have a problem with marijuana it doesn't matter i use them for all the same purposes because i don't like how i'm feeling right now and i want to feel better mentally right and so for me i had to accept that fact and that's what kept me out there longer was because I didn't, my, my guilt, my shame, and my pride, I did not want to walk into my home group with my tail between my legs, even though they all knew. Right. They already knew. They knew long before I knew. Even before I picked up, they knew that I was walking the path of doom, right? And they heard stories. They probably seen me out on the street corner, and it's like, here, I got to swallow my pride and walk back in there. And once again, I need to ask for help. I need to be as transparent I need to be as vulnerable. And that's what that's that's why I say I needed every single substance, every single drink to be who I am today, to humble myself, to give me more empathy, to see the pain that I put in other people's eyes when I act out. I don't want to be that person today. I want to be the best version of a sober person in somebody else's eyes that I can possibly be today. And that's no bullshit. That's no, no pain meds, no, no other dry goods, no alcohol in my life. And I would love to show somebody that there is an easier, softer way. You know, we don't ever have to feel like that again. And this is what's, what's so cool about it is that we don't have to do this by ourselves. There's more of us knuckleheads out here fighting the same fight. Yeah. Then, dude, asking for help. It's I've always felt like I I was okay asking for help until I, until this time. And and I will ask for help with certain people, right? It's almost like I pick and choose who I'm asking the help from because, well, I mean, I gotta you know I gotta take this mask off to put this mask on, and that's fucking tiring. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It's exhausting being somebody in front of you or being somebody in front of my wife or being somebody in front of this person. It's fucking exhausting. No doubt. 
Yeah. Um, that, well, you're living a lie. Even back then you were living that lie. And that's why you were blocking the sunlight of the spirit because you were lying. You were lying to everybody. You were lying to yourself. You were still trying to be hip slick and cool. Yeah. And that's what I call it when I hip slick and cool. I'm trying to still be hip slick and cool. And, and the problem with pot today, I think, is it's become so socially acceptable and it's being prescribed. And the bottom line is, bro, is that for me, I can't use it. I'm sorry. I'm glad that it, it's taking care of what whatever symptoms or, or, or things, psychological things that, that you're experiencing, you know, but for me, I can't do that because it will block the sunlight of the spirit. And that's how I get high today. I work out at the gym. I drop to my knees. I help other people. Those are my substances today. That's what gives me fulfillment. Going back to that God shaped void that everyone is trying to fill that God shaped void with, with, with things that aren't so good for us right? Those broken promises that we make to ourselves that I'm just, I don't have a problem and I'm going to stop tomorrow. I can stop anytime I want. And the sneaking around from people because I don't want them to know I'm hitting my vape pen in the car. It's like, you're filling yourself up. I'm filling myself up. What the fuck happened? All right, let's see here. I don't know if you can hear me, but you are frozen solid and there's no audio coming through. I'm hoping that there was just a glitch in the internet. Well, let's see. Um, I wonder if All right, so uh, let's see here. Maybe, maybe him taking the video off, that'll. All right, perfect.
See, if this fucking thing would have been live, I'd have to keep I'd have to sit here and keep fucking talking. All right. Oh. You're on mute. Yep. You're on mute. There we go. There you go. I mean, you were on a roll too, but I don't know where the hell you left off. I'm not sure either. Oh, I think I was talking about the blocking the sunlight of the spirit, living those lies that, right. that we tell ourselves, right? And thinking that nobody else doesn't notice something's off with us. And we know that they are. And that's the thing too, especially about those things. And when you get a little bit of time sober, it's like we become paranoid and we experience a paranoia that we've never experienced before, at least for me, when that happened to me and I started doing weird things, I started to isolate depression, you know, experiencing stuff and, and, and to find out that was all situational. You know what I mean? Why I thought I needed to start using again, right? It was because I'm suffering from all these outside things that I'm allowing to affect me today because I'm not going to what what my medicine used to be, which was, you know, being around other people, like-minded people like myself and getting their influence, you know, from them and bouncing things off of them. I started to isolate and started to experience these situational uh, depressions and stuff like that. And then I thought it was at some point in time, I thought it was a good idea to pick back up again. Kind of yeah. like your story. You yeah. Know? You know, it's interesting when I came back, you know, when I came back in, I actually, you know, ironically, RoofCon, uh, that's what brought me back into our common uh, recovery place. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric Obram, he, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know Eric. Um, Jeff Boab introduced me to Eric for whatever reason. It was a God thing. Mm -hmm. And I told Eric, I said, look, man, like, I, uh, I said, I don't resonate with calling myself an alcoholic. I said, I don't, I don't think that makes sense. And I told him, you know, that I am, and there is some truth to that. Uh, there is some truth to saying I'm fat or I'm broke or whatever, right? You you, you kind of are what you say you're going to be. And I was really stuck on not saying that. And he said, well, he said, yeah, I get that. He said, but maybe it's just not about you. And I mean, mm -hmm. it was like a fucking ton of bricks hit me. Mm -hmm. And I went, the, the next day I got back in town. 
you know where I went. And I haven't I I I might have missed I might have missed five days total since November. Now I didn't mean I got, you know, I mean I was totally sober in November, but I knew what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like this like they say, you know, beer full of AA. What is, what the hell's the saying? Yeah, a belly full of booze and a head full of AA doesn't mix. Right. So it's the same with weed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be a head full of weed and, and a belly full. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'll be, I'll be forever grateful for Eric because he really, you know, he just kind of heard me out and I needed that conversation bad. Mm-hmm. I really needed that conversation, but I found, you know, I, I went back to my old, where I used to go prior to that. And there's a lot of healing place people there. So a lot of the homeless shelter people go there and my mm-hmm. idea was, see, I, I went back in thinking I'm still up teen years sober, right? Oh, yeah. So I went back there so I could help people. I was in no place to help anybody. Mm-hmm. And so what I found with that is I had to sit, I had to get away from that particular meeting because I wouldn't get, I, I w- it's going to sound selfish because it is, but I, I, I needed a different type of help. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. It was hard to it was hard for me to decipher that for a long time. So, but I've switched everything up and and I'm putting myself around the people that to to a degree that can that I can have a conversation with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing I found too. What I did before that that got me or kept me sober didn't wasn't going to work anymore whether it be because of my ego and pride or, or whatever got in the way, you know, and this is what happened to me when I came back, my, my fear or, or ego, and this is probably an ego thing too, was, is that I, I couldn't share for the longest time, right? Cause I thought everything that I ran my mouth about before was a lie. Like I lied to you guys. I lied to everybody in this room and I am not worthy to even be sitting here that I was a fake, that I was a fraud. And I struggled with that for a while. And I, I could have called it fear, but now that I think about it, it's more of my ego was getting in the way, right? And everybody's like, dude, share that experience. My mess had become the message, right? That's what they were trying to tell me. Like, are you sober today? Yeah, I'm sober. Then you have something to share. Like, how did you get back here, right? You made it. The road to recovery is paved with dead bodies, bro. How did you make it back here? We read your name in the newspaper and the shit that you did. How did you make it back here? That's the message you need to share with people. And it was like, you know what? Okay, I get that. So slowly but surely, I I, I got some time one day at a time under my belt again. And and uh, my guilt, my shame, and my fear, my ego started to dissipate. You know, I started to get involved. I started to open up again and 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 make coffee and made the best damn coffee in all the rooms, brother. That I, I wore that shit with pride, bro. Like, I double bagged that shit. I didn't put just one bag in there. I put two bags in that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and I took pride in that. And I did that for the first four years, every Thursday night at my home group. And, uh, you know, and then I passed the torch on to somebody else. And then we started a meeting on Monday nights, a beginner's group. And and I wanted that to be a part of my legacy. I wanted that to be a part of my story. I wanted that to be a part of my journey to share with other people. And that's why we started a beginner's meeting. A, A buddy of mine, me and Perry, we started at our home group. We didn't have a Monday night meeting there, but I needed a meeting seven days a week. So selfishly, 
I, we needed a meeting on Monday night. So I had some place to lay my head, you know, where I could go and dump my shit if I needed to or whatever for safety and security, right? Purposes. So I got involved that way because think about it. When I was out drinking, right, I played in every pool league. I've shot darts. I did all these things. Like I was a barroom triathlon, right? So now, now I stopped drinking, right? And it's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to fill that void? And it's like, okay, so I got involved with the intergroup. I got involved with district. I opened up my, my, you know, so I, I started to fill that void up with what was now going to become my new life and accepting that fact that this is going to be my new life. But you know what? I'm not looking in the rear view mirror anymore. If there's red and blue lights behind me, I'm not worried about the water being shut off. I'm not worried about all these stupid, unhealthy fears, right? That, that I lived by, right? Like that, that, that drove me, drove me crazy. Right. But today I like to think that, that I live in healthy fears, right? Like if I don't suit up and show up every day, that's going to impact somebody. I need to be here. Right. Like I need to make sure that there's a roof over my family's head. It's not even about me today. Right. It's about my kids, it's about my grandkids. Right. None of this has anything to do with us. I signed up for this shit. I accept the challenge. Bring it. You know, every single day when my feet hit the floor, I signed up for this shit. So stop crying because what I prayed for five years ago, that's the life I'm living today. Right. And that's why I suit up shit. I'm not saying that I still don't have bad days, but I need to go where I can get my medicine. And that's Monday night. Yeah. Monday nights. I know where my ass is parked. My name is on the back of that chair. I need this, not just for me, but what about those people that are in there, that new guy walking down those steps, right? And how selfish of me would it be if I didn't go or I didn't speak up in that meeting that I'm at? How selfish is that? So I'm just still here taking and taking and taking, or am I bringing, am I, what am I bringing here? What am I, what am I bringing to the picnic? Am I bringing a bag of chips? What am I doing? Am I going to stick around and help clean up? Or am I just going to come and drink all the free coffee I want? Right. And, and and keep taking, right? I try not to be a taker today. I want to be a giver, right? That's what we, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve, right? That's going to be our legacy. And a lot of this shit, we're not even going to get credit for. And most people probably don't even know that we started the Monday night meeting and it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. The impact, it goes way beyond me, yeah. way beyond me. And I don't need the credit for it. That's cool. I'm fine with that. I've, I've humbled myself. Where I'm okay with that. Am I like that all the time, every second? No. Sometimes the ego comes back in there. I start edging God back out again. It's my show. I'm the director here. You, you know what I'm saying? And and I get checked real quick by not maybe my one of my teammates, but the man upstairs tells me when when my ego, my I'm puffing my chest out and it's me, 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 me again. Me, 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 me. <laughs> you know? And, and I got to take a step back and be like, yo, dude, this ain't your show anymore, man. You're just a, a, a piece on the chessboard here. And, and, and that, that's it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. A hundred percent, dude. I, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I'm not, you know, I, I'm still working through some stuff, but, but I get it. I totally get it. And I'll get one day I, at a time, one day, day at a time. Right. A hundred percent. And I did, you know, took me a long time to really grasp what the, just recently like grasped, like, I don't have to worry about what happens tomorrow. Tomorrow might not even come. Mm-mm. You know, you know that better than anybody. Yeah. Well, Ty, listen, dude, I, I hate to cut this short, but man, I okay. really enjoyed the conversation, dude. And I think we should probably do this again. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. We'll have you come on our show. We'll come back on your show, whatever. Doesn't matter. That'd be great, man. Well, how can people find you? Um, they can check me out at, uh, you know, they can call me on my cell or they check out my Facebook page, Ty Cobb Backer. 
on, on Facebook or even uh, behind a tool belt on YouTube. All right. Cool, man. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. You got it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.